0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes to us in order that we might know His law, but moreover, so that we might know His gospel. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as I mentioned earlier, all of our sermon series this year have been sort of obviously Lutheran, and we've been sort of marching through a bunch of different topics. So we started out in Advent, and uh, we we started talking about the sola statements, so sola scriptura and sola fide, and and faith alone, and Scripture alone, and grace alone, and Christ alone. And then we moved on during the Christmas season to two kinds of righteousness, because we only had two weeks. To work with. And so we had to look for something that only had two things. And then we moved on to talking about the catechism, and after we talked about the catechism, then we talked about the marks of the church, or we talked about the theology of the cross, and then we talked about the marks of the church, and then we've talked about all sorts of different stuff, like the Book of Concord, and we've talked about uh, Luther's seal most recently, and today we're getting down into it, because we're starting to ramp up, we're starting to get to that point where October is in view. Where we're going, okay, I can see it coming. October 31st, not just Halloween, not just a reason to celebrate because you can find candy corn everywhere. Which for some of you, I I realize that's not a reason for celebration. I don't know what's wrong with you, but we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about repentance and uh, turning your life around. But but October 31st is going to be the, refer, the celebration of the Reformation, and you get to be a Lutheran in the midst of that, which means that if people know that you're a Lutheran, unless you're like keeping this in the closet, if people know that you're a Lutheran, people are going to ask you questions like, well, what does that, what's that all about? What does that even mean? Which is why we're doing this annual focus, which is why we've got this banner up here. And then it says, what does this mean? Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to get you ready to answer that question on Halloween so that when people knock on your door that night, you can go, I'm so glad that you have come to ask me what it's like to be a Lutheran. Oh, you just want some candy corn. Okay. Well, come on back. We'll talk about it later. And so today we're talking about what is absolutely the heartbeat of what it means to be a Lutheran. And that is this law gospel thing. It is so much the heartbeat of the Lutheran church that I have it tattooed on my arms. I'm wearing long sleeves today, so you can't see it because I have poison ivy. It would gross you out but I legit have this tattooed on my arms. So it's that important. And you go, okay, great. What is it? Well, we're going to look at Isaiah 51, and we're going to talk about that. It's the first reading, it's it's the reading from the Old Testament, which immediately is sort of myth-busting one of the things that I hear about this law-gospel dynamic, and that is that people will say, well, the Old Testament is all law, and the New Testament, well, that's all gospel, which means you've never read either, (laughs) because the Old Testament has a lot of gospel in it. The New Testament actually has a lot of law in it. The thing about the Old Testament is that the gospel in the Old Testament, you don't really get, you don't really understand until you see Jesus. It's sort of like if you were watching a movie and you stopped halfway through, you, knew, you know who the characters are, you know what the general plot lines are, and yet at the same time you don't know everything about the movie. That's kind of what it's like. So we're gonna talk about law and gospel from Isaiah 51 here. In Isaiah 51, it, it starts off there, right? It says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you were dug. And so you go, oh yeah, awesome, that's me. I'm somebody who seeks righteousness. I'm in a church. On Sunday, I'm a good person. Because I'm here. I'm looking for righteousness. That's me. Right? And so you're like, okay, here we go. I, Isaiah, he, he's got it for me. He's, he's telling me where to look so that I can get to be righteous. And righteousness just basically means good. And so, basically, these are instructions on how you get good. And and so, Isaiah starts off, well, start looking towards the rock from which you were hewn, and you go, oh yeah, that sounds great! What's that rock? And you look a little bit further, and he starts talking about Abraham and Sarah. And you go, okay, cool! So, all I have to do is act like Abraham and Sarah... Pro tip for you, if you want to be good, don't act like Abraham and Sarah. Again, if you read those things, it gets messy. He tries to pawn his wife off as his sister, get her married off to somebody else. It's nuts. And, you know, well, okay, so how do I follow what Abraham did? Well, you know, uh, so Abraham must have been a righteousness seeker. He must have been somebody who was looking after this righteousness stuff. He must have been trying to get good. Maybe he failed a lot by trying to pawn off his wife. But I think that possibly he, he was at least looking for it. Uh, again, we, we don't get that in Scripture. In fact, we have no idea what Abraham was looking for, if he was even looking for anything at all. Because when we look at Scripture, when we look at the part where Abraham shows up, the way that it shows up is that it doesn't tell us anything about what Abraham's looking for. It tells us what God's looking for. God's looking for Abraham. God appears to Abraham and he says, Abraham, drop everything. Follow me. Out of the country, out of the continent, out of your mind is what people are going to say about you. And Abraham says, okay. Why he does that, we don't know. We have no idea what motivates Abraham at this point to say, yeah. I'll follow you. Other than this mysterious voice appears to him and says, go, I'm going to give you some stuff along the way, but we don't even know if that was the stuff that he was looking for. But he goes. And so when Isaiah is saying, look to the rock from which you were hewn, look to this Abraham guy a lot of what comes up there is, well, what does that mean? It it means, I guess, to be ready. That that's what it means to be righteous. That that's what it means to be good. To be ready. Not necessarily that You're seeking after it, but more that you're waiting on it, that you're open to it, you're looking for it. You know that it's going to come, you maybe don't know when, but it's going to arrive. So it goes on, Isaiah's talk here, and he says... For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts her in all of her waste places. He makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. And joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song. Give attention to me, my people. Give ear to me, my nation. For a law will go out for me. And I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. There's a sense to which there's a readiness there. A readiness and a recognition. A recognition that, well, maybe this isn't all about me seeking after righteousness. Because even when I seek after righteousness, it always seems to end up somehow in something that is not quite righteous. Netflix just released, I'm so excited about this, just released a teaser for the next season of Black Mirror, which is an entirely disturbing television show. And Black Mirror has a lot of people that criticize it because it is so disturbing. It paints such a dark, picture of what it means to be a human it's sort of like if you took the twilight zone and made it darker a lot darker there is no trace of any kind of anything that is worth saving in humanity when you watch humanity through black mirror And it does a, such a great job of showing that in all of the different shows, that every time that no matter if it's coming from a good intention or if it's even coming from just sort of a non-assertive intention, just I'm trying to live my life, that everything ends in disaster. It's so uplifting. And it's uplifting because that's my life. That's your life. And sometimes it's good to know that even though I had the right intention going into this, that I screwed it up and I'm not the only one. That's the law. It's knowing that there is something good out there. And that somehow it's just out of our reach. And that where we're living right now is in the midst of a wilderness. Where we're living right now is in the midst of something that needs to be healed. Where we're living right now is in the midst of something where we need Jesus. see, black Mirror should be frightening to anybody who's not a Christian. But if you're a Christian, you're looking at that and you're just going, well, they need Jesus just like me. Yeah. That's what it looks like to be a human. But here's the difference. The difference is the gospel. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. That today is all about defining law and gospel. But for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how law and gospel works on us and works in our relationships. That we're going to be talking next week about how law and gospel works on you as an individual. And how you take law and you take gospel and and how that works out in your life. And then after that, we're going to be talking about law and gospel in us. And how that the, this dynamic, this heartbeat of law gospel works in our community as the church together. How it works with other Christians. And then lastly, we're going to be talking about law and gospel for us all. And how even those people that don't believe in Jesus, those people that don't subscribe to what we subscribe to, those people that don't even believe in categories like law gospel, how that helps us in our relationships with them. Because that's the beautiful thing about this law gospel dynamic is that it works on us so that we can go out and be Christ's body and work on the world. That what the gospel does is it says, I am going to take you out of this wilderness. I'm going to take you out of this wasteland. I am going to take you out of this black mirror experience of life. And I am going to Create something beautiful. And so we fast forward to Paul. And Paul says, present your bodies as living sacrifices. Which, what does a sacrifice do? Other than just be ready. I mean, if you're a sacrifice, you're probably not able to do a whole lot other than just be ready. You're probably tied down to the altar. There's probably some scary priest guy with a knife over your chest, Dexter style. And you're just ready. What's going to happen? The thing about the gospel is it promises that you're going to be a living sacrifice. The law's going to leave you dead. The gospel brings you to life. The gospel says you are forgiven. Your wasteland is rebuilt. Your wilderness is watered. Your ugliness is turned beautiful. Your illness is turned healthy. The gospel makes us the positive, the attractive, the amazing part of what it means to be a Christian. So often, unfortunately, Christianity is painted only in terms of the law. But the gospel, the gospel is what we're all about. So now, may you, this week, may you take the law seriously. May you notice the brokenness of your life. But may you take the gospel even more seriously. And may you recognize that that brokenness is being used by God in order to change you and in order to change the people around you. So hold on to that. Amen. Amen.